Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The least suspenseful college football playoff selection show in the history of the playoff. About to begin here on ESPN. We'll talk about it as soon as it wraps up with Jay Binkley. He's going to hop in with me here in about 20 minutes or so. But I want to talk some Chiefs. I want to talk some Broncos. I want to talk some AFC. Our next guest, he created DVOA. He is a analyst for footballoutsiders.com as well as ESPN+. Aaron Schatz joining us now on Bink Sunday, 610 Sports Radio. Okay, Aaron, I want to get into some AFC stuff, some big picture AFC hierarchy Discussion, But before we do that, I want to start with Chiefs-Broncos. There's been sort of an ongoing debate amongst the various shows on this station throughout the week as to just what to make of this game. I know it's a rivalry game, but as far as the Broncos, on paper, the team that you've seen this year, it's been a mixed bag. Do you view the Broncos as a legit, quote-unquote, test for the Chiefs tonight? It's a kind of test, I guess. Uh, the Broncos' offense is very, very average this year. They're ranked 15th in our DVOA ratings at Football Outsiders, so that's pretty close to average. So in that way, it's, I guess, a, a little bit of a test for the Kansas City defense, but not as much of a test as, like, Dallas already was two weeks ago. Um, not as much of a test as the Chargers will be two weeks from now. Um, Denver has been, I mean, we have the 19th overall. They've been a fairly average team. It is interesting because I think we all felt that the Von Miller trade was kind of waving the white flag, and yet they've won four straight since that point. Um, but their defense has not been as good as we expected this year. I mean, yes, there are some, some good performers on that defense. I mean, Vic Fangio is a good skipper. And they have Bradley Chubb back, and Patrick Sertain is having a nice rookie year, but they've had a lot of injuries at the linebacker position, and overall their defense is 25th in our ratings. So, I mean, even if you don't believe that Kansas City is back to the greatness that we all expected from them before the season, just what they've actually shown on the field this year, they've been pretty clearly better than the Broncos this season. This is a rough estimation, Aaron, but I feel like we've seen about three different versions of this Chiefs team this year. They were this sort of high-variance team early, turnover, touchdown on every single possession, 
Then you were getting shredded on D on the other side of the ball. After that, they turned into this team that sort of bottomed out, had that blowout loss to Tennessee, sort of scraped by versus the Giants and the Packers. And then now we've seen this team the past two weeks that's looked really impressive against the Raiders and the Cowboys. Which of these different versions of the Chiefs do you think is closest to their true identity, or is it some sort of hybrid of the three? I don't think they've been quite as impressive on offense over the last two weeks as or the last two games as they're made out to be. They were good games on offense. They were not great games, especially Dallas when they only scored 19 points. Efficiency-wise, the Raiders game, they had the ball a lot because their defense played so well, but their offense was not super awesomely efficient. It was good. And it's been good the last two weeks. So what's interesting about the Chiefs is their defense. Since week six, our ratings have Kansas City as the second best defense in the league behind New England. That is stunning. It's not just their run defense that they've turned around, but their pass defense. And I think if you ask what team Kansas City is now, they're most likely the team that they've been the last two weeks, which is... The offense is not as good as it was from 2018 to 2020, but not as bad as it looked at midseason. And their defense is much better than what it looked like early in the year. Yeah, I think anybody could that's been paying attention to the Chiefs could recognize there's still room for growth for this offense based off kind of the built-in expectations that you have with them coming into the season. How realistic do you expect or how realistic would it be for there to be significant improvements for this offense the last uh, five or six weeks of the season? Oh, I mean, I wouldn't count on it being definite, but it's absolutely realistic. I mean, when it comes down to it, the most important position in the game is quarterback, and the best quarterback in the game is Patrick Mahomes, and I don't think anybody really disagrees with that at this point. So if you ask what team is most likely to suddenly have great offense? The answer is the team with the best quarterback, and that's Kansas City, and the fact that they have one of the best offensive-minded head coaches helps, and the fact that they have probably the best tight end in the game helps. I feel like we've basically seen about six teams have some amount of time where they were the team in the AFC. It started with the Chiefs at the beginning of the season, then the Bills held that mantle for a couple of weeks, maybe the Ravens for a week, the Chargers for a couple of days. Then the Titans were the last team standing. Now it's the Patriots, the flavor of the month. So let's start right there. How real is what we're seeing with the Pats right now? Very. I mean, the only reason not to believe it's is the fact that offense is more consistent and predictive than defense. And the Patriots are mostly doing it with defense. And they do have, let's be honest, a rookie quarterback. That being said, the Patriots' offense is now up to 11th in the league by our numbers. They're 11th on offense, second on defense, and third on special teams. They are an incredibly well-rounded team that does everything well and plays very physical just in time for things to get cold. And just- I think the next two groups of teams or the next two teams you would look at, uh, Bills and Ravens, I group them together because – they both seem like they're, they're maybe in similar boats right now. Are, are these teams in your mind that, that are hitting a little midseason road bump, or do you see bigger e- bigger issues at play here? 
No, I think they're very different teams, and our ratings have them as very different teams. We would put Buffalo up with New England, except for the fact that they've been, and I'm not making this up, the most inconsistent team we have ever tracked, and our numbers go back to 1983. There has never (laughs) been, in the last 38 years, a team that was from week to week more inconsistent than this year's Buffalo Bill. But when you put it all together... They are number one on defense. They have a good offense. Third overall in our rating. Very close to New England. Baltimore, on the other hand, is only 13th in our rating, despite the fact that they have the 8-3 record. Their offense has really been kind of struggling and has been very average. Their defense, which we count on every year to be good, has been kind of average. Their special teams have been awesome because Baltimore's special teams are always awesome because they have the best kicker ever. Uh, but they, one of the reasons they're 8-3 is they've played the sixth easiest schedule so far this year. So based on play-by-play adjusted for opponent, we do not have Baltimore as good as Buffalo. In fact, in the AFC, we have both Kansas City and Indianapolis ahead of Baltimore. You know, that's fascinating because I think to the naked eye, you mentioned the, the, the inconsistency numbers with Buffalo, which is almost impossible to wrap your head around. Uh, but let's just start right there. Like, what do you make of that? How do you account for why this team that is, by most accounts, one of the best teams in football also is a team that can be so Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? I am not sure. I think some of it is that Josh Allen is, is, has de- declined a little bit from what he was last year. Um, I mean, their defense has been pretty good in every game except against Indianapolis. Even that 9-7 loss to Jacksonville, their defense was good. I mean, their defense has been inconsistent in that it's gone from good to insanely good. But they haven't really had a lot of bad games. It's their offense that's kind of all over the place from good to bad to good to bad. And I'm not really sure what's causing that. I think some of it might be the fact that they just can't run the ball. Their offensive line is not very physical. So, you know, if you're a defense that can stop the pass, Buffalo can't do much against you. Okay, so I think the last two teams that are worth mentioning are the Titans and the Chargers. I don't know why I have them grouped together. Maybe it's just because teams who at one point I thought were legit, who now I just think are kind of behind everybody else. Do you still see both or either of those teams as being still in the mix in the AFC? Well, we've got a big smush in our ratings. Tennessee obviously has the record at 8-4, and four, but they're, they're a below-average team by our numbers. But if you go from like 13th to 22nd in our ratings, You end up with Baltimore, Cleveland, Chargers, Bengals, Broncos, Raiders, and Titans. It's a big mishmash in the AFC. A lot of like six and six, and six and five, and then the Bengals at seven and four. And all of those teams have strengths and weaknesses. Although the Browns, the Browns are kind of like average in everything. But like other teams, like the Chargers are very good on offense and cannot stop the run to save their lives. It, what people think about the Kansas City run defense is what's actually true about the Chargers run defense. But it's a big mishmash of teams, and that's why, that's part of why, this year feels like any team can beat any other team. Because there is a big mishmash of teams that are all in the playoff race. 
Aaron Schatz, Football Outsiders, with us for a few more minutes here. So with all of that being said, like, where do you see the separation in the AFC? If I, if you wanted, I don't care how you want to do it, t- hierarchy, tiers, like, where do you see that, that sort of line between those top teams and everybody else? I mean, right now, Tennessee and Baltimore have the spot in those divisions, certainly, especially Tennessee, of getting into the playoffs because of their records. But they're not that much better, or in the case of Tennessee, they're not really better at all than the teams they're competing with. The upper echelon of the AFC right now is New England and Buffalo, with the knowledge that if Kansas City's offense becomes the thing that we all know that it can be, that they absolutely go into that upper echelon, too. And then I would put Indianapolis next, and then I'd put everybody else below. Okay, before I let you go, just to to continue and to bookend this theme of trying to figure out who belongs in what category, I don't see hardly any separation in the NFL MVP race. I, I feel like if Kyler were healthy, then maybe we'd be talking about him running away with it at this point, but he's missed three straight games, and... I, you can't not factor that into the equation. If the season ended today, who's your MVP? Oh, it's really tough, and it's something I think about a lot because I'm actually one of the voters. Ooh, okay. This is huge then. Right now, I would probably vote for Tom Brady. I would hold my nose <laughs> and vote for Tom Brady. Because Brady is the number one quarterback in our quarterback value stat. And yes, he gets help from having a really strong team around him. But so does Matthew Stafford has really good receivers. And so does Dak Prescott has really good receivers. And so does Kyler Murray have really good receivers. And if you ask me who's been the best quarterback on a, a per-play basis, it's probably been Murray. But the fact that he's missed three games matters. My hope is that somebody over the next six games somebody like separates from the pack so that this is not that hard a vote because right now it is really difficult to figure out who to vote for let me ask you this then just purely hypothetical if if derrick henry hadn't gotten injured and he continued who knows if he would have been still trekking on that historical pace but if he were just doing normal derrick henry things do you think he would be firmly in the mix given what we've seen with uh, most of the top quarterbacks do I think that other voters would consider him? Yes. Would <laughs> I consider him? No. No, I don't believe that a running back can be MVP in the modern NFL. Passing is just so much more important than rushing to offensive efficiency. And the running back, you know, what he does in a season is so fairly dependent on scheme and blocking. He's really very heavily dependent on other players, uh, more than a quarterback is. Um, That being said, if there ever was a running back to consider for MVP, it would be Jonathan Taylor this year because he is, like, ridiculously lapping the field. And even in advanced stats that do attempt to separate a running back from his blockers, try to filter out the effect of having a good offensive line, Taylor is outstanding. So there is that discussion this year with Taylor. But I think you saw last week, in the Tampa Bay-Indianapolis game, you know, Tampa Bay kind of shut him down because they have a really good run defense. And so I just can't imagine voting for a running back, even one having a season as good as what Henry was doing when he was healthy or what Taylor is doing now. 
He's Aaron Schatz, Football Outsiders. If you ever listen to us on Cody and Gold throughout the week, you, you hear us reference DVOA all the time. Yeah, he created it. You can also check out his work on ESPN+. Aaron, thank you so much for the time. I really enjoyed it, man. All right. Thanks for having me on the show, and uh, hope to see you guys in the playoffs. Awesome. That is Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders and ESPN+. Okay, the college football playoff selection show started 17 minutes ago. Thus far, I'm going to list off all the teams that they've revealed so far. Jay Binkley joins us in studio next. This is Bink Sunday on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's Bing Sunday, 610 Sports Radio. I am Nick Schwartz, Grant Nicholson, and with me and the one and only Jay Binkley himself. And as we are seeing in real time, the college football playoff selection show play out. They are literally putting teams on the board as we speak. Number six, Ohio State. Number five, Notre Dame. No confusion there. Cincinnati sticking at four. History's been made. A non-power five in the playoffs. How's it feel? It's good. It feels, uh, I don't know where I was. I was right with you. here, man. I was with you as a guest on my show. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like, I'll never forget, you know? Man, what a moment. It is a great moment. We should take a picture together. We should, actually. Okay. I'm not into selfies, but this calls for one. I didn't really care whether Cincy came in at four or three. I think you could have moved them up to three, but uh, I didn't. I just didn't. I, it was going to be hard for me to imagine Georgia falling from one to four, losing to Bama in the SEC championship. Well, they couldn't do it because you can't play Bama and Georgia and turn around and play them again in the next week. Because we're we're going to get the rematch of the 2017. I agree, title but is game. that necessarily better? I, no, I mean it's the same. It's the like, same. Would group. you rather see them in the semifinal or the championship? Here's game? the thing: if Bama ends up against Georgia, you're going to see a lot of what happened when you had the final BCS game, Bama and LSU, and the ratings were terrible, and everybody in the country said. We don't want to see the SEC battle out for a national title. And they get together, the powers to be, in some hotel rooms around New Orleans, and they came up with the college football playoff because they're like, eh, and we get that another BCS title game, and that's two SEC teams. And now, essentially, you could have a rematch, which you had a couple years ago, with Alabama and Georgia. That is not a ratings. That is not a ratings windfall. Okay, so Georgia's in a three right now, by the way. Especially since Alabama. Let me just, I, this way it should yeah. be. This way, this way I 100% thought yeah. it was going to be. It's going to be Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, Cincinnati. Do, do you think – okay, we know how it's going to be, but just your opinion. Do you think Alabama deserves to be number one over Michigan? I do, especially if that win against Georgia. But, and it was just beating them. It was, I mean, they, but but what, what happened to – I mean, Michigan beat the hell – I know Iowa's not Georgia, but they crushed them, man. But still, I mean, who, who's better competition, Georgia or Iowa? Yeah, no. Alabama beat a better team on a neutral facility site that happened to be in the same state as what their their team is. Georgia. I'm not like offended by it. I just was curious. I uh, we can we we can maybe get into the matchups a little bit later, but we'll have three weeks to dissect those. Just a couple interesting. It's gonna be Alabama. What 14, 15 point favorites right at the bat. Okay, a couple a couple interesting (laughs) things here. The two big things for me. Okay, wow, half the SEC made it in. Congratulations. We're used to that by now. Second time in the last five years. The two interesting storylines, obviously, you mentioned at the beginning, first group of five team that ever makes it in. And I was talking in the first hour how last year when Oklahoma, two losses, jumped an unbeaten Cincinnati team, I thought a group of five team will never get in. It will never. If, if that team couldn't get in last year, 
a group of five team will never get in. And then you think back over the years, UCF didn't even get close, right? BYU, I know they're not technically group of five, but you get the point. And now Cincinnati. But will be. Yeah. In Cincinnati, they didn't just go undefeated. Like The big thing that they did is they went out and beat Notre Dame. And they don't have that Notre Dame win. Did that matter, or did Oklahoma State not scoring on the one-yard line matter for Cincinnati? Because had Oklahoma State score. If Jalen Warren plays that game for Oklahoma State, the 17 times they're inside the 10, Cincinnati's not in the playoffs. But, but, is Cincinnati's, that fair or not? But, but I don't even think that matters because if Cincinnati doesn't have a win from Notre Dame, who ended up being a top-five team at the end of the year, if they don't have that win on their resume, they're not at four last Agree week. Agree 100%, but I'm just saying, if Oklahoma State scores that touchdown at the goal line, Cincinnati's out, aren't they? Probably. They're sitting out once again wondering what is. So now they're in the playoffs. It comes down to Oklahoma State not being able to score from the one-yard line. It's really embarrassing what happened to that team inside the 10-yard yeah. line. But if they just score that, Jalen Warren, their, their, their stud running back, plays in that game, I was at they the, score. They, they score that point, and they're not, they're not in the playoffs. Or if Auburn goes for two at the end of the first overtime against Alabama, Alabama, we're not talking about it right now. I was now. at uh... – I was at the peanut yesterday watching that game. And that, I mean, it, just that last play. It's unreal. The race to the, oh my, it was, that place went crazy. It was, I, it was one of the top three games I've seen all year. So cool. It was so cool. But just being at a bar like that. Just the just, emotions. Yeah. Just, just everything hanging yeah. in the balance of the college football playoffs, you name it. But can you imagine being in Cincinnati watching that game? Or can you imagine being Notre Dame? Because when that happened, all of a sudden Notre Dame was starting to feel good. Like Georgia, they might sneak and in and beat Alabama. Yeah, and then the SEC championship game started. But I feel good for Cincinnati. But again, did they get in because Oklahoma State did not yeah, score the end? I mean, 100% they did. But that, that, can, be apl- that can be applied to a lot of teams over Which would have been better for chaos, in my opinion. If Cincinnati, Notre Dame, and these teams are sitting on the outside looking in. Yeah, probably. But the, the, I mean, they are now, but well, they the haven't already the fact, the fact remains that moving forward, if you're the Big 12... If you're the Pac-12, you have to understand now. Like the the Big 12 is the only Power Five conference that's never had a win in the college football playoff. The only team that's ever been in is Oklahoma. They've never got a win. The Pac-12 hasn't had representation for six consecutive seasons. I don't care what you think it's going to do for the SEC. If you want to start moving towards college football relevancy again, you need to do whatever you can to get on board with a 12-team playoff. Listen, I'm not, I don't want it to go to 12-team. Personally, I would rather see it go to eight. I think eight's the perfect number, but um, beggars can't be choosers. That's what I felt with the playoff, going to four. I was like, okay, it's better than two. Yeah, I'm still not content, but you know, 12, eight, 12, whatever you want. Because I think there's some teams here in the top 10, the top 12, that could make, it, make a difference in a playoff. It's like an old mess. Like, that is not a team you want to draw in the beginning. Like, are they going to win it all? No. But they could beat the team that may end up going to win it all. And then Cincinnati's in there without a sweat. It's just no problem. They didn't have to sweat getting it. Notre Dame already knew they are going into this. And you have a better playoff, and you have more games. Right. And we do have a month of college football still, but all the way until January 10th. But you would have more games with the college football. It sounds like we're close, because they were talking about okaying to play these on-site on campus. I mean, they're close to doing this. If if things would have played out differently yesterday, like let's say Georgia would have won a nail-biter over Alabama, and that would have created some decision where you would have said, okay, is Alabama going to stay ahead of Cincinnati? 
It didn't end up happening. But had that played out and Cincinnati would have gotten left out, I would have. It's weird. I would have been disappointed. But I also wouldn't have sat here today screaming at the committee saying, how'd you do this? Because at the end of the day, do we want what's fair? Do we want the fair thing? Or do we just want to see the best? Do we want to see the best teams? We don't want fair. We want to see the best teams. And I like what the committee did. Having Michigan ahead of Michigan State back when they both had one loss, despite the fact Michigan State beat Michigan. Yeah. And you'd say, hey, wait, they beat them head to head. You know what? They took into account Hutchinson had a touchdown. And they reviewed it and called it not a touchdown. They called it a touchdown when it happened. They took that game from Michigan. And the Big Ten said, ah, we screwed up. That, that should have been a Hutchinson touchdown. And then several pass interference down the stretch. So it showed me that they look into things the same way I felt with Brian Kelly not being with Notre Dame. Mm. They were going to dock him for that. And the camera ran out last week with Gary Barta and docked him exactly for that. That's it. Watching Gary Barta sit there with Reese Davis every Tuesday night as if he wasn't prepared whatsoever for any of the questions that are being thrown his way. Uh, he probably knows them exactly 100% what they are. Why does he seem so clueless? Like, okay, dude, Bink, just this, I'll just I give you one example from this week. The selection show comes out. They talk about the fact that Brian Kelly just left, you know, is, and it ended up mattering again. But they ask him about uh, Brian Kelly leaving. Now Notre Dame doesn't have a coach. He's like, yeah, we're very well aware of the coaching situations. And, you know, that, that, that is going to play a factor. And then two days later, he comes out and says, actually, Marcus Freeman, stability, we're not going to take that into account. So, A, did you just screw up and say the wrong thing? Or B, did you realize you had stepped in it and had to well, walk back point, your comments? Well, at that point, at the time he said it, it was fine, what he said. Now you got to walk it back because they do keep the defensive coordinator. Tommy Reese stays there as offensive coordinator. So a lot of it's there, but Brian Kelly's not there. So how much you value in him? Obviously, LSU valued him quite a bit when you look at that contract. It shows you how valuable you are, the money you get. All right, for initial reaction, Cincinnati-Bama. Bearcats have a shot in that game? I mean, it's one of those weird things. Bryce Young doesn't feel well coming to the game. He's like, John Mechie's not playing that game, by the way. He's got the Tory ACL. So they didn't have Mechie for a lot of this game against Georgia either. But that's a significant piece. You've seen Mechie's uh, stats this year. It's ridiculous how yeah. good he is. I think he's the best receiver in the country. Um, yeah, I think they have a chance to keep it close. I mean, Bama, keep in mind, I understand what happened with Bama and Georgia. But this way, Bama's been playing this year. It's been Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I mean, looking great by pounding somebody and then playing the close games like against LSU, losing that game to A&M. Should have lost the game against a bad Auburn team. A bad Auburn team. And by the way, anybody who watched JT Finley at LSU last year, and you watch, if you were to tune into that game in halftime and say, wait a minute, Bama's losing to this guy, to this do you, team? Do you remember it came down to two-point conversions just to beat Florida? Yeah. A bad Florida team, they won 31-29. to 29. So I'm saying. That's why it made no sense. They're, they're That's Dr. Why Jekyll and Mr. Yesterday. Hyde. They're a very good Dr. Dr. Jekyll when they want to be. They could be a great Dr. Jekyll. It's what's annoying about Alabama. But they could be Hyde as well. When they win that game and you watch it play out, you go, oh, okay, well, I guess this makes sense because they have five stars all over. They have first-round draft picks at every single level. But then yeah, Bama's you not think your typical back, underdog. But you think back to the games where you've seen them. Like, I told I, you last week, I went into that game saying, I know who Alabama is. Barely beat Arkansas. I mean, it's... They, they, have, they have the best quarterback in the country. The problem is their weakness 
matches up directly with Georgia's strength. And then it, you just realize, oh, doesn't matter. But I think the one thing about Alabama is when you lose Mac Jones in the first round to the Patriots, Najee Harris with the Steelers, first round, when you lose the Remington Award winner as the best offensive lineman in college football in Leatherwood, uh, you lose Landon Dickerson. I'm not getting to him. I'm not even that. It shows you. You lose the Remington Award as the best center in the country. The Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith. But I will say this. Put an asterisk on it because the other guy that went in the first round, Jalen Waddell, you can make an argument is better than Devontae Smith. Yeah. All these guys are gone. Sark is gone. Oh, you bring in the laughable Bill O'Brien. Again, the wayward home for coaches is with Nick Saban. Sarkeesian, Lane Kiffin. You bring in Bill O'Brien. It's the resurrection. Brian Dable. Yeah, Brian Dable. You bring, it's the resurrection place for these coaches. It's like lost dogs. If you want to go get a huge head coaching gig or a giant raise, just, just go, go run the Alabama offense for just, a year just go or two. With Nick. Yeah, but I'm saying all these changes in pieces. That's why I did not like them to cover that Miami game in week one. I'm like, they lost way too much. They lost way too much. I feel like Michigan-Georgia feels like a national championship game. A week ago, it would have. A week ago, if you would have told me those two teams were going to meet in the championship game, I'd say bring I'm it on. I'm more excited about the two, three, and the one, four. For sure. I mean, that's the two best defenses in college football. What I'm hoping for is an Alabama-Michigan finals. Yeah, I mean, like I, I said, just see something different. I mean, I've, saw, like, I've seen Georgia I, play I, Alabama. I want a Georgia-Michigan title, but. No, if, I mean if you're giving, you're not going to get that. You can't get that. Well, okay, if you're giving me if you're giving me first choice, then give me Cincy, Michigan. Right? Why the really? hell not? Chaos. You walked in the studio yelling chaos. You know what? That's fine. That's what you want. You know I'm all about chaos. I'm just but, wanting to watch the Heisman right, Trophy right. winner play uh, Michigan. You know? Okay, okay. There we go. There we go. That's why I, I put, said it. Okay. What so, you know about it? So let's get down to this. Okay. Uh, my ballot is due. I think tomorrow at six p.m. And by the way, I was an AP voter for a oh. while. All There's right. only two in the state of Missouri. I was one. AP's one thing. I don't have the Heisman yet, though. AP's one thing. I don't know. It's not like this. Heisman's a different animal, Very Jay. different. Very different. So you've been trying to pry my vote from me. You've been trying to pry info from me for the past week. I. Not anymore. I have, the, the answer's obvious at this point. You, you can't even. If you, if you sprung something different. Then you should. If you don't vote Bryce Young, you should have your. You should lose your. You think it's that clear cut? You should lose your vote. This guy scored four touchdowns, three through the through the air, one rushing. Did you know that Georgia, only two teams that scored more than one touchdowns against him. It was two, Kentucky and Tennessee. The only teams to score two. He scored four, and put up four twenty one against a defense that was giving up just six point nine points per game. Four twenty one through the air against that secondary. You can say maybe he had that Heisman moment against Auburn with a minute 30 to lead them down 97 yards. But, I mean, yeah, doing that against Georgia, it matters the competition. He sealed the Heisman. So I've told you one thing over and over again well, this year, every time we talk, and you know what I'm about to say. I know what you're about to say. You're about to say it's crazy. No, no, no. What I've told you time and time again when we're talking, you know, between shows, commercial breaks, I always say the same thing to you about guys like Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. If you play quarterback – at Alabama, at Oklahoma, at Ohio State, at Clemson. You better be damn near perfect if you want to win the Heisman because you've got everything working in your favor. Alabama doesn't have a Heisman winning quarterback. That's the funny thing about him. Never? That's always going to somebody else. 
Devontae Smith last year. I mean, Devontae Derrick Smith. Henry, Mark Ingram. Yeah, that's yeah weird. You look at the running backs, but Alabama has – Mac Jones made a run at it. Yeah. He was really close, but Alabama so, hasn't had that guy. So I told you, if you want to play quarterback at those positions, at those schools, and win the Heisman in 2021, you better be damn near perfect. Uh, well, Bryce Young was damn near perfect yesterday against the best defensive team I've seen in the past decade. Which I think I think that mattered. And four touchdowns, again, again it was, they only gave up two, and that was the tops per game. I get it. You look at their schedule and you say, okay, is that 2011 Alabama team that gave up 8.2 points per game? What defense was better? Both led by Kirby Smart. But you look at the quality of time. I, th- I feel Alabama's had a tougher schedule than even Georgia this year. Yeah, probably. Okay, so give me your top three before we get out of here. Top three Heisman? Top three Heisman. Okay, Bryce Young won. Okay. Number number two, uh, Aiden Hutchinson. Okay. And number three, uh, it's Kenny Pickett. I just like what he did at Pitt to beat Notre Dame. I like that 58-yard run. Even though for somehow he got he ended up with twenty yards rushing because he had some negative runs, but I like what he did, you know, to take that team to do what he did. I know he's not going to quit it. Jordan Davis kind of fell out for me when Alabama did whatever the hell they wanted to with that defense. But I've liked Matt Corral. I've liked these guys all season long. I've liked Walker, of course, but uh, you know my feelings on Kenny Pickett. Hey, Kenny Pickett, he ain't surrounded by first round draft picks at wide receiver and offense. You know line. what? He's got that swag. Yeah, he, like I can see him working out with instead of these other quarterbacks. He in might the NFL. be the first quarterback. He might be the. First I know he one could. To go. He's got himself to that point, but he's got that moxie thing you look for for NFL quarterbacks. All right, we went way too long on that, but I had to. I had to get your top three. I'll tell you what. I can't as a Heisman voter. I can't tell you whether or not that aligns with my top but, three. No, I'll just can. tell you that's strong. I'll just tell you that's a strong top yeah. three. Yeah, it's a I'll good top three. I, I get Kent Walker heading from week one. Asked they go and talk college football with the the Chiefs pregame and. Hey, man, keep your eye on Kenneth Walker. Hey, hey tell me this. What the hell happened to Oregon? Two know. out of the last three weeks, you've just gotten hammered. That was embarrassing. And I mean hammered by Utah. That was embarrassing. Two of the last three. Yeah. Charlie Brewer was their quarterback at the beginning of the year. He quit. Mario He's, Cristobal's gone. He's going to Miami. Good for him. Yeah. It can't be Utah. Bing, thanks for the time, man. See, man, it should be Kyle Whittingham, but whatever. <laughs> Bing Sunday on 610 Sports Radio. We'll be back with more after this. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. I think tonight's Chiefs-Broncos game is going to be decided in the first two quarters. I'll tell you why coming up here in a bit. I am Nick Schwartz with Grant Nicholson. You're listening to Bink Sunday on 610 Sports Radio. John Harbaugh wins the Big Ten. Did you see this? This is so cool. Uh, He gets a $1 million bonus incentive that's written into his contract for winning the Big Ten, and he announced that he is donating that $1 million to Michigan Athletic Department employees who had to take pay cuts during COVID. I've kind of done a 180 on Harbaugh. I feel like it's difficult to... Have an honest conversation about Jim Harbaugh. Because there's always a tinge of disrespect or disappointment when talking about Harbaugh for one very obvious reason. Keeps getting his ass kicked by his rival. And it just so happens to be the biggest rivalry in college football. They've had some really good teams. They've had some really good recruiting classes. But they've always been swimming in the wake of Ohio State just like everybody else in the Big Ten. So when we have conversations about Harbaugh, there's always like, yeah, but he's a good coach, but I mean, come on. So much so that 
after a year like last year where you play six freaking games, they go two and four, people are calling for his job. Not good enough. Not good enough to get it done. Can't beat Ohio State. Hey, nobody at Michigan's been able to beat Ohio State. Before this year, Michigan hadn't won a game since 2011. That's the third time since the turn of the century where Michigan had beat Ohio State. That was until this year, just last week, and it was a throttling. 42 to 27. How do you back that up? By kicking Iowa's ass up and down the field for four quarters. That was domination. Domination yesterday. Michigan comes in at number two. I get it. Alabama beat Georgia. Okay, fine. They're up at the number one. So now Michigan draws the distinct privilege of playing Georgia in the college football semifinal. The way we talk about Jim Harbaugh now is going to change. As if, okay, he's gotten over the hump. Now we can start respecting him as one of the better coaches in college football. It's hysterical. I don't understand why we can't have honest conversations about this guy. This is his seventh year at Michigan. If we are to, is it okay? Just tell me, is this fair? Is it fair if I exclude last season? You played six games. I think that's fair. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole thing is if you did good, fine. If not, yeah, it's exactly that's exactly right. Any team who p- performed well, it's like, hey, good, good job, Ohio State. Well, one of the best teams in the country. If you perform poorly, whatever, it's a lost season. We'll kick it out. Okay, so let's just say six years. Well, five of his first, okay, it was seven, sorry, seven, because he started in 2015. Yes, that's right. Citrus Bowl, Orange Bowl, Peach Bowl, Citrus Bowl, college football playoff. So five of the six years he's went to a bowl game. Last year they obviously didn't. Four of those were New Year's Six Bowls, and now he's going to the college football playoff. There seems to be this thing in college football where if you're not, and I think it it spills into the Heisman conversations too. Like I was just talking about it with Bink. Like Kenny Pickett is almost talked about as an afterthought because he plays for Pitt instead of Alabama. I mean, Pitt didn't play as tough of a schedule, but statistically, look at his numbers, look at Bryce Young. There's not much difference between the two of them. But yet last night when Bryce Young was having this great performance, I mean, it was a spectacular performance against the nation's best defense. I'm not trying to take anything away from Bryce Young, but the idea that oh, you just go ahead and hand him the Heisman, he'll probably end up winning. That's not a surprise. But I don't get why all of a sudden we just like cannot consider. We can't even mention guys who are playing for teams like Pitt because they're not playing for a college football playoff. I saw Lamar Jackson win the Heisman. I saw Robert Griffin III win the Heisman. It is actually possible to win this award without being on one of the top three or four teams in the country. And by the way, Bryce Young has a lot more going for him. He has a lot better system around him than Kenny Pickett does at Pitt. Kenny Pickett's not throwing the first-round draft picks. He doesn't have five stars across his offensive line. To think that those two guys are incomparable to me is just so silly. But that's what we do in college football. If you're not at the very top, you're a disappointment. Like, if you finish fifth, like this year, Alabama or Notre Dame finishes fifth in the college football playoff. Are we to say that was a disappointing season for them? Hey, oh, well, you had a nice season, but... You weren't really competing for a title, so they finished fifth. It's an incredible season. Ohio State finished sixth. Oh, not good enough. You didn't make it to the play. 
And Ohio State had a great season, but we hold these teams to loftier standards. Why do we hold Michigan to that standard? It's Michigan. I'm sorry, but Michigan is not Ohio State. They're not Alabama. They're not Oklahoma. They're not Clemson. They're a really good program. But they are living in the shadow of their big brother. And so the idea that now we can start talking about Harbaugh as one of these guys is so silly. Like, yes, it is a huge accomplishment for them to beat Ohio State the way they did. It was a huge accomplishment for them to win that game last night, get the Big Ten, and now go to the college football playoff. All of that is worth lauding Harbaugh and this team for. But the idea that now he has somehow elevated himself to the status of an elite coach? But wait, what was he before? Wait, because he was going to New Year's Six Bowls every year instead of going to the college football playoff? He was a disappointment? And the idea that like people were calling for his jobs, and it did happen. Did you see this last night? Okay, so Dan Wolken, he is sort of... I, I, I don't know. He might be a nice guy, but he certainly doesn't seem like it. He is a sports writer, a columnist for USA Today. He covers college football at length, and he's just sort of a geek, I guess. I don't know. He's a really big-time writer. I mean, he writes for USA Today. And did you did you see this last night, Grant? So, so Dan... Oh, I did. Okay, let me, let me give you the rundown. So Dan Wolken, last night... He sent out a tweet talking about, you know, kind of how silly the the discussion around Harbaugh has been. Here's the exact tweet it says. This is so good. This is at 1030 last night. Quote, it is absolute insanity that people talked seriously about Michigan firing Harbaugh a year ago. Absolute insanity that people talked about it. Well... Kevin Flaherty, he's a friend of mine. He he writes for 24-7 Sports. He found an excerpt from a column written by Dan Wolken one year ago that reads, at some point between now and then, Michigan will either have to make another expensive and long-term commitment to Jim Harbaugh or cut bait and admit that he simply can't get done there what once seemed inevitable. The answer is starting to become clear. The Harbaugh era is doomed to mediocrity, frustration, and unfulfilled promise, and both sides need to figure out how to engineer a graceful exit. (laughs) Wait, to be fair, maybe he was saying I was insane. That was absolute insanity that I said that. But this is what happens. This is what happens. Like, we play the results so much so that in the moment, last year, hey, this guy never going to be able to get it done. Unfulfilled promises. It's not going to happen. It's going to be doomed to mediocrity. A year later, well, can't believe we were ever saying that. Yeah, you should be calling yourself insane because it was insane at the time. I just hate in college football where it's championship or nothing. You don't play for the college football playoff, then you fell short. That's why I think expanding the playoff to 12 teams is going to be great. It needs to happen because we need to stop living in this world to where if you didn't play for the championship, you're a disappointment. This is not the NFL where there are 32 teams, right? Of just power five teams, you're talking about, what is it, somewhere in the 70s? You add in the group of five teams, we're we're talking 118, 120, whatever the number is. I know it kind of changes each year. They're not all playing for that four-team college football playoff. You get it to 12, you get more inclusion for the Big 12 and the Pac-12 who are just doomed to be irrelevant without it. 
and you get more opportunities for teams like Cincinnati, for teams like Coastal Carolina, for teams like BYU. That is what we need more of. By the way, Chiefs Broncos tonight. I don't know how you feel about it. I expect this to be a rock fight. I expect it to be a sort of grind it out, figure out a way to get there. Because Vic Fangio, regardless of what you think about him as a head coach, as a defensive schemer, he's one of the best in the NFL. They're going to slow down the Chiefs offense. I do believe that. Mahomes has been fine against Fangio over the last two years. Hasn't been great. The kneecap game doesn't really count, but they're going to come up with a good strategy. Do they have the personnel to actually slow slow down the Chiefs offense? We'll see. I think we're going to know really early. I think we're going to know really early the direction this game's going to go. The Broncos want to run, run, run. You can't do that if you get behind two scores, which is why I think it's imperative for the Chiefs to get out early, have a good game script, put a touchdown on the board, get a stop, get up 14-0, this game is over. Teddy Bridgewater's been fine avoiding mistakes, running the ball, protecting the ball, not turning it over. But you make them chase points, they've got no chance. They've got no chance. They're a really good running team. Looks like Melvin Gordon's out. So heavy dosage of uh, Javante Williams, that rookie running back who's been impressive. It'll be a good test for the Chiefs defense because they're as healthy as they've been all year long. I love what their secondary is doing. I love what their pass rush is doing. Specifically, it's going to be a big test for that Chiefs linebacking core. I wish we could see more of Nick Bolton. I think he's the surest tackler on the team, but we know by now Andy Reid, Steve Spagnuolo, they value experience. That's why you see Ben Neiman out snapping Nick Bolton. That's why you see Anthony Hitchens out snapping Nick Bolton. Willie Gay, by the way, player to watch. I think he's going to break out the rest of the way. All right, that's going to do it. Big thanks to Aaron Schatz, Football Outsiders, Jay Binkley. For Grant Nicholson, I'm Nick Schwert. This is Bink Sunday on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.